Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. And back with you folks for another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Very happy to have all the guys with us, of course, uh, John and Roger. Well, actually, Neil Boron is not with us right now. Uh, We're having some technical issues, but we hope to have them resolved, and hopefully Neil will be busting into the show the way Bob Hope used to bust into the Johnny Carson show. Anyway, uh, happy to talk with the guys this way. Guys, how are you? Great. Doing great. And monkey box free, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be talking about monkey... (laughs) We are going to be talking about all things monkey pox for the majority of this episode. But before we do, though, guys, uh, Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan. Okay. Now, Nancy Pelosi has always been a Taiwan supporter. That's good. I give her credit for that. My attitude is always to give people credit, uh, you know, when they deserve it. Okay. Mm. And I don't get to say these words very often. Kudos to Nancy Pelosi, but kudos to Nancy Pelosi for going. However, and John, I want to get your take on this first before Roger. I don't want to automatically be cynical. I don't want to be one of those guys who's like, uh, okay, well, if a Democrat does something good, try to find the negative in it. So I, I, I'm honestly not trying to go there. But I have to be honest. I, I question whether her motives of doing it right now mm. is yep. really because yep. of principle as yep. opposed to political strategy. Because let's face it, she could have went to Taiwan last year, the year before, the yep. year before, 20 years ago. She could have gone to Taiwan anywhere, but she coincidentally chooses right now to go to Taiwan when A, her husband Paul uh, just recently got arrested for a DUI. B, her husband Paul coincidentally happened to buy $5 million in stock in a company that coincidentally happened to benefit largely from some uh, Senate bill that they were passing that wasn't known at the time, uh, a la insider trading. Mm -hmm. And then add to that, there's some more questions about whether there's other examples of insider trading that she's engaged in with her husband, Paul. So right when those questions are happening, combined with Democrats are looking weak and they're in trouble for this November, this is the kind of thing that makes Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House look good, look strong. This will help her poll numbers. It will help Democrats poll numbers. And so hate to be cynical, John, but I question whether her motives were really truly pure or whether they were personal regarding her husband and political regarding this fall's election. And, and you know, again, we're talking about a lady that has a hard time stringing a sentence together, so you wonder who's even yeah. behind the, the, you know, the, the whole operation here. And what I said yesterday on air was that you know, not not opposed to her going, not opposed to the support of Taiwan. I think we should be giving them support. I really don't care what China says about it, to be honest with you. I don't want World War III, but I will say this. The timing of what she just did in regards to everything I said a moment ago was completely off, to your point, Bob. And, I, you know, I don't know what the motives are. I don't really care. But what I know is the timing of the trip couldn't have been any worse. Right. And so I, it seems to me that uh, while we can say kudos to Nancy for going to Taiwan, uh, this is political strategy. And, you know, yeah. Roger, it does seem like, and I know this is really cynical, but it seems like this is the M.O. of today's Democratic Party. Everything is theater. Everything is show. Uh, and that's who the Democrats seem to be right now. And you wonder, do, Democ- do Democrat voters honestly really believe there's any authenticity coming out of this party at this point you know i i wish it weren't true either i I recently was in contact with a friend of mine who's on the board of directors of a group called democrats for life and we had the same conversation Mm -hmm, about other things and then we get down to the nitty-gritty which is charlie how can you still be on this board when a third of your party that is part of the democrats for life are pro-life and yet people like nancy pelosi joe biden continue to just kind of rub this in your face you know it's, it's interesting to me that, that she would pick this time and this place to actually go 
because of the fact that the midterms are over, we're 100 days, maybe 98 days away from the um, agenda, the primary election, or excuse me, the midterm election coming up in November. And yeah, Paul Pelosi has a DUI thing that, that mysteriously went away. And yeah, there was the insider trading. And then somehow he found the courage or the morality to dump most of that stock at about a $400,000 loss right before the CHIPS Act was signed. Uh, not that Nancy right. had anything to do with that, even though all the spending bills originate in the House of Representatives. So of course, the Speaker of the House would know that's going on. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi, through her uh, stock market strategies, has been able to parlay her $174,000 a year salary into her own personal net worth of $135 million, which then when you couple it with her husband's net worth of $120 million, you have to say, man, they sure know how to pick stocks. And, you know, in right. a case like this, if you've got a chance to put your finger on the scale, I mean, this this sounds like little more than she's not in danger of not being reelected, but she's taken one for the team, you know, to go do this and say, eyes on me. Let's get the media distracted with me going to Taiwan. Pay no attention to monkeypox and the fact that we're going to get our butts handed to us in the midterm elections. It, it's just it, again, it's all theater. And it, it's at the kind of theater where a thinking conservative looks at it and says, well, you can't fault her for going because, you know, she's showing support for Taiwan, standing up to China. There were the rumors of the missiles and all those things when she got there. So kudos for going, but I think we can smell the trail uh, that followed her over there, and it's not a good one. Right. It, 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 I mean, John, it does seem like this this party is all about theatrics today. Oh, Everything oh, is always, theater. And, and by the way, Bill Clinton, he was the master of this. He knew how to make the facial expressions, bite his bottom lip, I'll feel your pain, wipe away mm-hmm. the fake tear. It just, it seems like that's who they are, the Academy Award performers. And sometimes I wonder, John, is that is that a winning strategy that Republicans need to start doing a better job at? But I, I hate the idea of being inauthentic, but it does seem to buy votes from emotional soccer moms. I was just going to say, it, it works. I, I don't agree with it. And no, right. I don't think that's the direction that we need to head. Although I do think that we, and I had a long conversation about this yesterday on air, we could definitely be a lot more unified as conservatives in our message. You know, we have a lot of splinters where, you know, each each you know group wants its own message to go forth. We do a terrible job of being unified. They do a great job of being unified. If there's anything we can learn from them on that end of things is to, you know, again, is to be more unified and, you know, and if there's those, if there's those quote unquote teachable moments, maybe that's what we should call them, that you can capture and utilize for your, you know, your campaign or for your cause, why not? Right. Well, I just, uh, I think about the youth today and how they say that they care about authenticity. Okay, but well, if authenticity matters, if it really matters, then you should be turned off by, you know, watching Hillary Clinton if she's speaking to a Southern audience. Suddenly she tells the audience, I'm happier than a coon dog and possum patch being down here, you know, altering the way that they speak. Uh, Barack Obama, the Democrats, they alter the way that they speak. I mean, come on. Joe Biden was speaking to a black audience in 2012, and he was criticizing Mitt Romney and the Republicans at the time. And he told the black audience, they're going to do nothing about outsourcing. They're going to put y'all back in chains. Yeah. I mean, read the transcript I have, I have, of that. They're going to put y'all back in chains. I have, a, I have one better. It just happened yesterday. I'm going to throw it in my show today. Democrat strategist Eddie Vale said, so, talking about cinema, supporting this bill, the new bill they're running through the Senate right now, supporting mm-hmm. this bill should be as easy as Jordan dunking on a middle school Jewish basketball team. How's oh. that not racist, guys? Whoa! I, can you? I mean, I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying to picture Donald Trump with all of his harshness, with all of his bull in yep. a china shop, and all of his insensitivity. Uh, you could say whatever you want about Trump, but I think the man oozes authenticity. If he's speaking to a room full of pastors. He speaks exactly the same way. He uses H word and D word and, and he whatever. Care. It's all the same. Yeah, it's just he doesn't. I cannot picture Donald Trump talking to a black audience and then trying to adopt some kind of black accent, you know, or whatever a dialect. I just I can't picture him even remotely. I can't picture Ted Cruz or any of these leading Republicans altering the way that they speak. And yeah, to to, to say that. Uh, 
the, the kind of racist stuff they get away with is just mind-boggling. Yeah, I, I was, the, yeah I'm, the, I'm the thinking to myself, if anybody on our side made that same statement that it's right. like dunking on a middle school Jewish basketball team. Okay, I'm okay with dunking on a middle school basketball team. Why right. did the Jewish statement have to enter that? Right. I'm, What's the per- Exactly. What is the purpose of that? Well, hey, don't forget, you know, they have as much diversity as a good breakfast taco. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, right. Now, again, try to imagine, that was Jill Biden. Try to imagine Melania Trump speaking to Hispanics. You know, they got as much diversity as a, as a, a breakfast taco. I mean, my goodness. But uh, Democrats say stuff like this all the time. You know, Bob, you mentioned, something, you mentioned something about millennials and authenticity that I wanted to comment on yeah. because we're sitting here, the three of us, as, uh, you know, parents of millennial, you know, young people. And so we know what that generation's like. The authenticity desire for them is that everybody else be real with them. But if they are yeah. real with you and you don't like it, then the problem is yours because my truth and you know that right. that's type of, and that's what they've been taught. And so it, it is it's so fascinating to see that the millennial mindset would look at the Democrat Party versus the Republican Party. They look at the Democrat Party and say, Well, if I line up with that, then I'm okay with that. And if you tell right. me I'm wrong, then you're filled with hate. As opposed to saying, Hey, wait, what is right? You know, John's example of the uh, of the Jordan dunking on the Jewish basketball team is a, that should make everybody upset. Doesn't matter what your political party is, but right. the the reality is we've come to the point now where there's one major party here in the United States of America where that type of stuff is okay, and they would have you believe that another major political party acts the same way. And I don't know that you're going to find those same examples. No, you're really not. All right, we are going to dive into monkeypox in just a moment here on the National Crawford Roundtable. In the meantime, we're asking every single one of you that are watching us at myhopenow.com or listening to us at uh, crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you're listening to us. We're asking you to donate some money to preborn to save babies' lives, to stop abortions from happening. You know, Roe v. Wade's been overturned. That's great. But you do realize that abortion is still legal across a lot of this country, uh, most of this country. As a matter of fact, just yesterday in Kansas, uh, amazingly, Republican red state Kansas, the voters voted to keep abortion legal in that state. So the battle continues. And remember, preborn saves babies' lives by showing ultrasound images of those babies to the expectant moms. And those moms choose life 80% of the time when they see an ultrasound image of their baby. But it takes money. It takes $28 on average to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion. So here's what I ask everybody in the audience to do right now. Would you donate $280 one time to preborn to stop 10 abortions? $280. It's a tax write-off for you. It, by the way, 100% of what you donate goes right to ultrasounds, zero for overhead. This is preborn. Last year, they stopped nearly 44,000 abortions, and along the way, there were just under 8,000 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ among these moms. Is that worth 280 bucks to save 10 babies' lives? Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and just click on the tab for preborn. And you can donate right there online, okay? CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab. Or if you want to donate over the phone, they're answering the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. Let's everybody get some skin in the game. Let's save some babies' lives, okay? So we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh of the Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, we don't have Neil with us right now. We're hoping that he joins us no, I'm uh, just soon. a quiet little church mouse, Bob. I'm here. Oh, well, you think you could just, bo- who, who you, Bob Hope and Johnny Carson, you just walk on the stage anytime exactly. you feel like? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Neil Boron, how are you, Neil? Good, I'm great. I was enjoying listening to you guys finish up the conversation there, but yeah, good stuff. Oh, man, I'm glad we didn't talk about you behind your back. You know, that would have been, it would, wouldn't that have just figured we trashed the daylights out of you and you're like, hey, guess what, guys? All right, let's talk monkeypox. Um, monkeypox, as you know, the World Health Organization has declared a global 
emergency for monkeypox. Uh, we've got three states here in this country that have declared monkeypox emergencies. California, thanks a lot, Roger. New York, thanks a lot, Neil. Mm -hmm. uh, Illinois, well, nobody to blame for that. But it's a matter of time until Gretchen does that here in Michigan, I'm sure. Uh, the monkeypox emergency. L.A. County has declared an emergency. New York City has declared an emergency. And I'm thinking about, I go, wait a minute here. Uh, monkeypox, according to the World Health Organization, I checked the latest numbers. Here's where we stand as of Monday of this week. Uh, according to World Health Organizations, the non-African cases of monkeypox worldwide is 23,600. And I say non-African because monkeypox has been in Africa for decades. And it is a deadly disease in Africa. It primarily hits Nigeria and Congo, but some other African nations. It doesn't usually spread outside of Africa. However, once in a while, it does. And this is a time where uh, it has spread out of Africa, but it's not the same strain. It's not the same deadly strain as what they're dealing with in Africa. This new strain that's come outside of Africa is a non-deadly strain. Uncomfortable? Sure. Who wants bumps on their skin? But out of 23,600 monkeypox cases outside of Africa, uh, there are a total of four count them four deaths. Uh, one in India, one in Brazil, two in Spain. That's it. Here in the United States, we got uh, a New York uh, monkeypox emergency. The amount of deaths from monkeypox in New York, zero. The amount of monkeypox deaths in California, zero. As a matter of fact, according to the CDC, there's nearly 6,000 monkeypox cases in the United States. U.S. deaths rhymes with hero, zero. So this emergency being declared, I think, is absolute baloney. This is nothing more than let's hype up fear. Let's do COVID 2.0 and let's use this as a means to get people gripped by fear so that Democrats can exercise power over our lives once again, uh, using fear to do it and to set the stage for this fall's election so that we have to have mass mail-in balloting and ballot boxes everywhere. Uh, guys, that's what I think is going on. That's my rant. Now, let's go around the table and, and uh, talk with each one of the guys. First of all, Neil, I want to start with you. Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Your state, the state of New York, Kathy Hochul has declared a monkeypox emergency, which gives her the right then to dismiss and set aside certain freedom laws in that state so that she can declare whatever kind of emergency status declarations and infringements on people's liberty and freedoms that she wants to. Makes my eye twitch. Your thoughts as a New Yorker? Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, Governor Hochul appears to be really interested in power. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. It's still a COVID emergency here in New York. She just recently, hmm. you know, re-upped her powers again. The governorship has never gotten rid of them. Of course, there's been a change of leadership, Cuomo to Hochul. But uh, the entire time, we've had a state of emergency because of COVID, and the governor doesn't want to give up those powers. Uh, so that ought to say something about the future. But yeah, here we go. There's nobody that I know of in New York right now panicking about monkeypox. Sure, there's probably a few in the gay community or uh, others who may feel like they're susceptible because of their lifestyle or their behaviors. But um, bottom line is there's no emergency right now. And I think, I mean, if you want to give any benefit of the doubt, maybe it's an effort to get ahead of the curve. Um, or flatten the curve, who knows what kind of language you're using in this one. But but either way, uh, I don't buy it, and I think most of the people who have a brain aren't buying it. So who knows where we go from here, but it's not boding well for the future. Because, you know, and to go back, by the way, to the thing you, were, you guys were talking about, Pelosi's trip to Taiwan, you know, political theater is just part of the way it is now. Everything is an opportunity to gain votes, retain votes, make your opponent look bad. So how, who's to say what the exact motivation is behind this thing? But there's no emergency going on here. So why they've declared emergencies beyond me. I know. And by the way, the homosexual aspect of this, we're certainly going to be uh, discussing that as part of this uh episode as well. But uh, let's go around. Uh, Roger Marsh, I want to ask you, well, no, actually, let me go to John, because John, you're the other state that's got uh, monkeypox 
emergency, uh, Roger, rather, I'm sorry, uh, Roger out in California, uh, you got a monkeypox emergency declared out there, which, by the way, for the life of me, I do not know how. Uh, if I were in New York, I don't think I could call Kathy Hochul Hochul. I think I'd be calling her Hokum accidentally way too often. So just <laughs> my own side thing here. But uh, let me ask you about this, sir, Roger. Your thoughts as a Californian and uh, an official monkeypox emergency being declared out there. Well, because we are here in the People's Republic of California, and this is earthquake country, learned a few things about the so-called quote-unquote state of emergency. It really has nothing to do with the actual emergency itself. It has everything to do with federal funding. So during mm. COVID, when the states of emergency were actually passed, uh, Oregon Governor Kathleen Brown, by the way, Jerry Brown, our former governor's uh, sister, uh, declared a state of emergency three weeks before the World uh, Health Organization declared a global pandemic. Uh, there was no pandemic problem in Oregon per se, they just declared it. When you look at 1,400 cases in New York, 800 cases in California, not one death, and yet these two of the four largest, most populous states in the United States are declaring states of emergency, they're just lining up for the federal funding that they're hoping is going to come from That's Joe right. Biden and company during an election year. So, I mean, it has nothing to do with the actual deaths, and that really messes with our logical brains, right? I mean, because when you think about the conservative mindset that really is very thoughtful, we're saying, wait, state of emergency? Oh, yeah, boy, that, that's like a Hurricane Katrina state of emergency. Why didn't George Bush do anything? You know why he didn't back in 2004? Because Ray Nagin, the mayor of, of, of Baton Rouge or wherever it was, New Orleans, and then Kathleen Blanco, the governor, right. did not preemptively call for a state of emergency before the hurricane actually hit, and then the levees broke. If they had preemptively done that, the National Guard would have been waiting for all that to happen, but they didn't. But what has the media spin? Well, George Bush sat at home and didn't do anything. His hands were tied. What's he supposed to do? I mean, it, it, we have rules and ways of going about this. So the idea that uh, Hokum, I'm sorry, Hokel is actually de has declared a state of emergency in New York. She just wants to get paid during an election year. She doesn't care about health, public health, and it's and it's disappointing. In California, we're so used to Gavin Newsom issued 47 executive orders during the COVID pandemic that were all declared to be illegal by not one but two different courts here mm -hmm. in the People's Republic of California. So we're used to executive overreach here. Sorry if it's kind of new to other states, but it's kind of part and parcel with no. California politics. Uh, look, I I think you're absolutely right, and there's no doubt they're looking for a lot of extra federal money. This is a chance for them to get more federal money. I would say the icing on t on top of the cake for them is, oh, it also gives us, it broadens our powers so that we can uh, go ahead and set aside certain laws and freedoms and liberties, and we can declare certain restrictions and enforce more power over the people when we have a state of emergency. So to me, that's the icing on the cake, but you're absolutely right. Gives them a chance to get a whole bunch more government money, uh, especially going right into the election. Let's do this. We want to get John Rush in on this as well. Uh, before we do, I just want to remind everybody, we are asking everybody in the audience to get involved in stopping abortions, okay? You're like, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. You can donate money to preborn. Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country, folks. They've been doing this for a long time. And they show ultrasound images of these babies to the moms. And the moms choose life when they see the ultrasound images. But it takes money to do this. So 28 bucks is the average cost to save one baby's life. Here's what we're asking everybody in the audience to do. One time, donate $280. And you can know, your family can know, your family's legacy is you have stopped 10 abortions. You've saved 10 babies' lives. Is that worth $280? It's a tax write-off, and 100% of the money goes right to funding ultrasounds. Zero for overhead. Now, maybe you can do more than that. If God has blessed you financially, can you save 100 babies' lives? Do $2,800. It's all a tax write-off for you. But for everybody else, do $280. And listen, we need some of you out there that are very well off financially. Maybe you own a business you'd like a tax write-off for your business. Or maybe God's just blessed you financially. One ultrasound machine costs $15,000. Is there somebody out there that would donate $15,000 for an ultrasound machine? You, your family, your business will be responsible for stopping thousands of abortions. Think about that. So here's how you donate. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab and you can donate right online. If you want to donate over the phone, they're answering the phones 24 hours a day. Call right now, 833-850-BABY. 
833-850-BABY. They're taking calls literally 24 hours a day. Let's save some babies' lives. As we continue in this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, talking about monkeypox right now. So we don't have uh, Michigan with a declared emergency yet. Uh, we don't have one in Colorado, John Rush, yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's probably a matter of time. Your thoughts on President Biden on the verge of declaring a monkeypox emergency in the United States uh, right while he's at the same time getting ready to declare a climate change emergency in the United States, mm-hmm. all right before the election. This is just political posturing, in my opinion. I've, we we do actually a full segment uh, hour each week on COVID, monkeypox, all these different things on Thursdays. i got a really great doctor that joins us that follows us much more closely than, frankly, guys. I have time, and she predicted, by the way, a lot of, of where we're at right now with all of this and was the first one to even say, listen, as long as you're not having, um, frankly, not having sex with someone of the same sex, typically a gay man, if you're not in that world, the chances of you getting monkeypox are really, really slim. So why in the world is this now any kind of a worldwide emergency, statewide emergency, national emergency? Bottom line is... It's all political posturing. A lot of things you said, Bob, are true when it comes to you know the, the money side of it. And, and we, we've kind of nicknamed it here in Colorado the money pox, not monkey pox, right. because literally right. that's what it's become. Because everybody listening, really, believe me, if you live a, a regular, very normal life like the majority of people do, the chances of you getting monkey pox is, is about, uh, about as thick as a hair. Right. And then if you get it, the chances of you dying is even like less. a split end on that hair. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's less than a split end. Okay. So, but this is, this there's is a, a lot this of is a nothing. This is a nothing to worry about, guys, at all. It, absolutely. It is a total nothing burger. So, uh, but we do have the whole LGBT part of this to discuss. We have the election strategy part of this to discuss, and a lot more things that we're going to get into in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We invite you to uh, listen to us wherever you'd like. You can do it at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, but you can also listen at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. And by the way, we always appreciate the five-star reviews that we get from you folks. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, when you call Preborn and donate to stop uh, abortions, make sure you mention the Roundtable podcast, if you would, as well. And we're going to continue the second half coming up next. Listen, if you're not able to listen to the second half on your regular radio, well, then listen online, CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple or Stitcher or wherever you do. Second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco of the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We have Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California. We have Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live from New York, of course. Uh, we have John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. We're talking all things monkeypox right now. John, what about the the uh, gay part of this? Let's go a little bit deeper into this. Uh, for all intent and purposes, this is a homosexually spread yes. thing. Any kind of homosexual gatherings should be called super spreader events. They really should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, gay bars, it seems to me, ought to be being shut down by uh, the liberal left in this country because, after all, we need to stop the spread. We need to flatten the curve. Why doesn't this apply to the homosexual community? Uh, if people say, John, well, yeah, but this is people. You can't tell people how to live their personal lives. Are you kidding me? Under COVID, Democrat governors were telling us you can't go to church, and if you go to, do go to church, you got to wear a mask and you have to sing quietly. Oh, by the way, here in Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer said you can buy a gallon of milk, but you can't buy a gallon of paint at the same place. Mm-hmm. Restaurants were told and businesses were told you have to either shut down or we'll tell you what your capacity limits can be. So we had all kinds of restrictions placed on our personal lives. We were told here in Michigan during COVID, you can't go visit your own family. You, I couldn't go to my son's mm-hmm. house right. to see my grandkids. I couldn't have them over for a birthday party. We weren't allowed to do any of this kind of stuff. So the Democrats, John, are willing to say we are going to control and restrict your personal life and tell you Mm -hmm. you can't live your normal life. So why are they telling gay people you can't live your normal life right now? 
And let's not forget, too, that all those numbers you talked about a moment ago, uh, Bob, because of what Burks has now come out and said openly was just a guess. They, there was nothing scientific about what you just said a moment ago when it came to the controlling of people's lives. Again, it's all about control unless right. – it's all about control unless unless – you fit their narrative as in the LGBTQ plus XYZ. You know, you can keep running those string of letters after the after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality is unless that's the group that you're involved in, we want to control your life. To your point, Bob, and, and I mentioned this before we came on air today, so this might this might surprise some folks that are out there. So here in, in Denver, and this is, again, probably not a shock to a lot of people, but we have a clothing store here in the Denver area that caters to the transgender world. In other words, if you're... A man wanting to buy a dress and you feel uncomfortable because you might get shunned and you might get looked at kind of funny or whatever, there's a place that is quote-unquote safe where you can go buy your women's clothing. Problem is right now, they're not accepting any clothing because of quote-unquote monkeypox, which again goes back to, uh, and you know what, give these guys credit, they know more about what's going on in their own community than the CDC does. Right. No, that's a great point. Uh, Roger, let me ask you. I mean, you got San Francisco out there. You've got, I mean, that, that is a rainbow flag raven country, of course. Uh, Roger Marsh of the bottom line out of California. It does seem to me that uh, if this is really about protecting people and saving people's lives, then the liberal left, Gavin Newsom, should be saying, wait a minute here, we need to shut down the gay bars. We need to encourage gay people to not engage in homosexual social social gatherings. We need to flatten the curve. Remember, the WHO, who I don't trust, okay, the WHO, even that liberal left-wing group, says that 99% of monkeypox cases outside of Africa are among men, and 98% of those men are homosexual. So why in the world isn't uh, the mainstream media and the Democrats calling this a gay disease where the curve needs to be flattened, Roger? Well, because you're filled with hate, Bob. It's really very simple. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And I you're say right. that somewhat tongue in cheek, but let's face <laughs> it. I mean, there is an entire city in Southern California that was formed to celebrate homosexuality, and that is the city of West Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood, of course, is a myth, right? There's the Hollywood sign. There is no city of Hollywood. It's just an area. But right. West Hollywood is actually an incorporated city in Southern California, and it's all gay. It's rainbow this, it's rainbow that, pride this, pride that. Everything's happening there. And as you can imagine, there are restaurants, there are bars. It's right down the street from all the major media organizations, too. And if you can imagine Gavin Newsom going to WeHo, as they call it, and ha- holding a press conference saying, we're shutting everything down just within the city limits of West Hollywood because we're so hmm. concerned about this... You- can you, he wouldn't make it out of town alive. I mean, there, I mean, right. we're talking Sodom and Gomorrah time again, simply because you're telling us that we're wrong. I mean, there apparently is a pink mafia. There is kind of a gay lobby that controls a lot of politicians and things of this nature, and that's where the extra money is coming through. I mean, there are about thirty-five thousand new cases of HIV that are reported in the U.S. every year. The majority of them are men having sex with men. I mean, that, that's, uh, those are statistical realities from the CDC. And the majority of the cases, 6% of the cases, happen in New York State every year. So it's interesting that last year, the last year that they had records for it, uh, CDC reported about 2,300 cases of new HIV infections. And we're already up to 1,400 cases of uh, monkeypox infections, too. I mean, I, the, another case of just the tail wagging the dog here you know i mean in in case of the the politicians and the political world and the money that changes hands behind the scenes whether it's planned parenthood making relatively small donations to california politicians to buy their vote to try to keep california the abortion sanctuary state of the of the nation or this whole issue with monkeypox it's fairly obvious if you follow the money and follow the numbers that this is happening almost exclusively in the gay community and you know, I, I was thinking about when HIV first came out and people were talking about, you know, be careful of you know where you wash your hands and use the restroom and stuff like that. I mean, as John Dooley noted, the leading cause of transmission of HIV and monkeypox is essentially the same. And if you are straight and don't engage in that kind of sexual activity, it doesn't seem like you have anything to worry about. So a lot of political yeah. influence, but you're, to your point, it makes sense. If this is a health crisis, if the World Health Organization is saying, we've got to shut things down and stuff like that, I would imagine Hochul and Newsom and all the left-leaning politicians, you know, go to West Hollywood, then go to Laguna Beach and tell them that too. I mean, you, right. there's multiple cities. We can all find them in our states. There should be wall-to-wall coverage of this because this is a health crisis and we all need to stop it or it's a lot of New- political hype right 
Neil Boron, Neil, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Of course, uh, there in New York, you've got a lot of uh, gay LGBT communities there, a lot of, of rainbow flag waving. And uh, Neil, your thoughts on the fact that the homosexual aspect of this is being swept under the rug by the mainstream media, by the Democrats. And I just don't see the effort to flatten the curve among the gay communities by shutting down the gay bars and, and uh, basically uh, restricting, placing higher restrictions on LGBT communities. So we're just not seeing that right now. And you have to wonder why. Don't they care about their health? Yeah, it, another example maybe of pandering to an agenda. Uh, who knows? Uh, I, I talked with a friend just this week about this whole monkeypox thing, and I said, look, if it's largely being spread in the gay community, men having sex with men, why don't they just label it an STD? And I forget the exact yeah. response, but I mean, it, it was sort of like, well, but you can get it other ways. I said, okay, well, you can get AIDS from a blood transfusion. I mean, there are other right. ways you could get AIDS. That's an STD. And it's just mind-boggling. I mean, on the other hand, you know, um, I don't think that anybody needs to try to target the gay community by saying, like, hey, look, because uh, of your sin, this is why you get this. I mean, because, you know, pastors... Probably Mother Teresa would have got COVID if she was still alive. I mean, the bottom line is, like, people get sick because sin is real and and death and disease are real and so forth. But but when you see an astounding number, like 98% of the people within a, a category of 99% of the people, you're talking about overwhelming numbers that are absolutely being ignored. And quite frankly, that ought to be viewed as an attack on the gay community. You could actually look at it that way. You could say maybe there's an attempt to exterminate the gay community by not telling the truth about what's really going on here. But they obviously know the truth. They're not wanting to talk about it, probably not wanting to stigmatize people. And, you know, I think that there's an awful lot that we need to look at here about what we're actually hearing from the media and from public health officials on these kinds of things, because there's an agenda attached to all of this. Right. And it was just, look, this is just one more shining example. Neil, you're right. Uh, that causes me to just not trust these leading health organizations. Right. They are political organizations. Dr. Yes, Fauci should be all over this. He should be going, oh, gay clubs need to close down. Okay. But he's not. All right. Uh, they're not, the, the CDC, they're not making an issue out of this. They really should be, but they're not. And this just you know, tells me they're more politically driven. Another example, uh, we won't go into this per se, but, you know, the idea that we, we get warning labels on cigarette packages. Why? Because mm -hmm. cigarettes lead to cancer. Right. Gay sex, uh, you know, leads to death, literally, disease and death. Mm -hmm. I mean, the there's no question about it that the average life expectancy of a gay male in the U.S. is way below uh, somebody who's not practicing homosexual behavior. So you got like 76 for the average American, somewhere around 75, 76. And 20 or 30 years less than that for people practicing homosexual sex. So, like, can anybody state that publicly? Maybe it's known in, you know, certain circles or behind closed doors, but should the general public know that? I think they should. That's We're talking about public health. Yeah. No, you know what? I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about this, including the, the uh, political aspect of this. Uh, and does it have anything to do with the election coming up as well? We're going to dive into that on this National Crawford Roundtable. Again, we ask everybody watching right now or everybody listening right now to donate some money to Preborn to save pay babies' lives. If you haven't done this yet, you could do it right now. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, and donate whatever you can donate to save as many babies' lives as, as possible. I'm asking all of our listeners right now to donate $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Why? Because it takes $28 on average to stop one abortion. This is done by preborn showing ultrasound images of unborn babies to the moms. And these moms in these pro-life pregnancy centers across the country, these moms choose life 80% of the time if they see an ultrasound image of that baby. But it does take money, $28, to save one baby's life. $280 saves 10 babies' lives. $2,800 saves 100 babies' lives. Do the math. How many babies' lives can you be responsible for saving? Just right now, if you would, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, Donate right there if you would. 100% of your donation goes to fund ultrasounds. 0% goes to overhead. 
So would you do that now? CrawfordMediaGroup.net or you can call and donate over the phone. 833-850-BABY. Even if you're listening to us in the middle of the night, they man the phones 24 hours a day. So call right now, 833-850-BABY. We appreciate you doing that. Talking about monkeypox this, uh, this episode. And let's get into the political side of this. John, if I can come over to you. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, to me, I see this as so political. I said this at yep. the top of the podcast as part of my rant. Uh, the, the Democrats, they know full well that election fraud is a real thing. They know full well that, uh, th- that they can supplement Democrat votes this November because there are, let's face it, not all Democrats, not even most Democrats, but there's enough Democrats out there that are willing to engage as activists in ballot stuffing, in uh, uh, ballot harvesting, in filling out a bunch of bogus blank ballots for their Democrat candidate to try to supplement the legitimate Democrat vote with illegitimate votes. We know this. We saw this in the 2000 Mules movie of Dinesh D'Souza's. It's a real thing that happens. But here's the problem, John. The Democrats, for them to create a bunch of bogus Democrat ballots in their own individual cities uh, and for them to stuff ballot boxes, they need mass mail-in, mass mail-in balloting. They need millions of ballots being mailed out to people, blank ballots, and they also need drop boxes put on every corner. Uh, so how do they do that? Well, we need some kind of an emergency to scare people into saying, oh, uh, the, the public will support uh, these mass mail-in balloting uh, provisions again because we got to protect people from monkeypox. So let's hype up some more fear. Yep. And frankly, John, that's what I think is going yep. on here. No, They're trying I, I agree. to rig the election again. Yep. No, I, I fully agree, Bob. Uh, they, they, to your point, they know... And when we saw this through the you know movie Two Thousand Mules and some of the other th- findings that have happened since, we know and and again things are going to be watched much more closely than they have in the past. And of course they know that they, right. they know that that was kind of their one time chance. They know now that everybody, us included, are going to be watching everything you know very closely this next time around from all elections moving forward. Frankly, and, and people. By the way, thank you. Everybody's a lot more engaged this this go around, and and I'm hearing that from all sorts of listeners and emails and so on. So yeah, thank you. Everybody's a lot more involved now and then they were and it makes you wonder if we'd have been that more involved you know back in, in 2020 would it have been the same outcome right. I, I I don't know but bottom line is people are a lot more involved to your point though Bob they they need you know not only do they need something that will allow more mail-in ballots and so on but let's face it they are grasping at every little thing they possibly can they thought they could get the midterms handled with this abortion thing it's already starting to wane out I believe you know states are already coming out you know Kansas yesterday I believe or was it Kansas or Missouri yesterday passed a bill basically allowing abortions. I mean, the states are now handling Kansas. this. Kansas did. Okay, yeah. So, so you know, states are now passing their own laws, which, which by the way, that's the way it's supposed to work. So uh, I'm not saying that I'm in favor of that. I'm just saying that's the way it's supposed to work. That's what the Supreme Court did, which I think what folks are going to finally realize even on that whole topic is we've all been right. It, it doesn't need to be a national thing anyways. Each state needs to decide and let them be the, the deciders of what happens inside of their own their own state boundary and that's the reality of what's going on right now so that 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 thing is waning by the time we get even a little bit closer to the election um in november i don't think that's going to be a big issue at all so yeah they're grabbing at whatever they possibly can to try to figure out you know the economy you know they're telling you we're not in a recession we're in a recession i mean everything is going against them they're doing anything they can to try to grab something to possibly win in november unfortunately i don't think any of it's going to work i don't think the monkeypox thing is going to work everybody knows this thing is just a lot to do about about nothing. Yeah. Neil, what, what do you think? Neil Boron, uh, I know it sounds cynical, but it just sure does seem to me that this is the Democrat strategy. Let's let's govern by fear. Let's get what we need by fear. Let's work people up into another frenzy of fear, but we need something. Let's rally around monkeypox and get everybody scared to death. When we get them scared to death, then we're going to be able to get a, we're going to be able to sell the idea of millions of mass mail-in ballots being sent to people and drop boxes on every corner. 
corner. We're going to be able to sell that if we create a heightened state of fear. It's Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. And Hillary Clinton plagiarized that and repeated the very same thing. It does seem like it's the Democratic Party's mantra to use fear to manipulate what, what they want, and in this case, the upcoming election. Yeah, a lot of shuck and jive. It's a big shell game in many cases because, you know, any calamity can be used for good or for evil. And it seems like since the Democrats control the narrative that they will do anything in their power to take any news story and twist it in their favor. I mean, how in the world did uh, the Biden administration claim they had nothing to do with rising gas prices, but now all of a sudden they're orchestrating hmm. the gas prices coming down? Like, it's kind of interesting how, how that stuff plays right. out in the end. Um, no question that any political party, you know, will use whatever means necessary to gain an advantage. I mean, quite frankly, it was Republicans that orchestrated the Watergate thing. That's going back a few years. But the reality is... Um, this whole thing presents another opportunity for money and power. We talked about it at the beginning. Uh, power grabs, um, big spending bills, you know, associated with trying to quell the fears that people have about this. And with the nation's media in their back pocket, literally walking in lockstep with them on all these things, they have the opportunity to utilize this stuff to their advantage if it's at all possible. But, you know, going back to what John said, uh, I think thinking Americans are beginning to get the idea that maybe this stuff is just smoke and mirrors and that um, the reality is we're safer than we think and we need competent leadership for once, not people that are going to steal our rights and steal our liberty away, but people that are going to uphold the Constitution of the United States and do what American politicians ought to do, and that's represent the people, not the agenda of the far left or their political party. Roger, you think that uh, this monkeypox thing is going to work because I like I say I, to me it works if the Democrats can effectively get drop boxes and mass mail-in balloting done again then it works because there's enough Democrat operatives out there that'll be willing to do what they did in 2020 uh, will this monkeypox thing work or are they gonna have to come up with another uh, reason for fear before the election well, it's August right now, and the elections aren't going to be tabulated until November. So I think the answer to that, unfortunately, is people have short, shorter attention spans than ever before. This crisis now is not the Roe versus Wade crisis that they used to fund right. the race back in May. I'm still convinced it was a Democrat operative. It may have been Elena Kagan. I'm speculating here who released the uh, you know the big reveal about uh, right. Roe versus Wade back in May, knowing that it was going to be the way it was the decision was handed down but it gave democrats a two-month advance uh, opportunity to start fundraising you know and with primaries we just had a, another super tuesday yesterday i mean the primaries kind of going all the way through the summertime for democrats right now if they can build up their war chests and then go in and try to attack republican uh, strongholds maybe they can get some kind of success but the reality is if you judge this party on its merits right now there are none I mean, that, that, and that's the cold, hard reality. Even Democrats are looking at their leader right now, and two-thirds of them say, we don't want Joe Biden in the White House. We don't like the way our party is going. So the, the reality is they might use this to raise money. That's kind of old-school politics. But if you don't change hearts and minds first and foremost, you can spend all the money you want to. And you're still, I mean, you're going to have Planned Parenthood throwing 38 to $40 million at Hillary Clinton, and she's still not going to beat Donald Trump. So, I mean, that was six years ago, for crying out loud. Where we are right now is the Democrats are doing everything they know how to do in their old school bag of tricks. The progressive mindset isn't working. And has anybody in the gay community really spoken up and said, why is this only hitting us? You know, I mean, this sounds like HIV from 40 years ago. I mean, when you get right down to it, I mean, it, it just it almost seems like a concentrated effort to take people out in the same way that when COVID was first hitting, remember how we started getting getting to the bottom of this and finding out that the majority of COVID deaths were in nursing homes? And no one bothered to pay any attention to the fact that 1% of the U.S. population over the age of 65 died during the pandemic. I mean, what vested interest would the federal government have in reducing the population over the age of 65? Wouldn't have anything to do with lowering health care costs, would it? Wouldn't have anything to do with hmm. kind of thinning the herd, so to speak. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, guy. I'm just looking at the numbers and asking the question, why is it that there's this concentrated effort where it seems like certain segments of the population get hit with these things? I mean, this seems like it's a, a kind of a controlled pandemic, whereas the pandemic of COVID didn't control the way they wanted it to. They can control the narrative, raise more money, raise more support for you know people in a huge voting block for them and see how the chips fall in November. I don't think it's a winning strategy, but it seems like it's the one they're following. 
It sure does. Uh, we're going to, in our last few minutes, as we kind of wind this down, we're going to talk about the internet. We're going to go outside of America, talk about the international response to this, and why is the WHO uh, declaring a global pandemic about this? Is the WHO trying to also affect the United States elections, or is that just really crazy conspiracy theory talk? Uh, so we got a lot more to talk about as we kind of wind down this episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. I do one more time want to ask everybody watching us and listening right now that if you did not yet donate to Preborn to save some babies' lives, please do it right now. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that doesn't mean the abortion fight is over. If anything else, this is where we need to step it up that much more to stop these abortions okay but it does take money to do that $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life to stop one abortion through preborn preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America folks and shows these women ultrasound images of their babies and those women choose life 80% of the time if they see an ultrasound image of their baby so we got to get these images in front of the moms, okay? That saves these babies' lives. 28 bucks is the average cost to save a baby's life. So we're asking everybody right now, donate $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Would you do that? $280 to save 10 babies' lives. You can go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and just click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net click on the preborn tab you could donate right there it's a tax write-off for you a hundred percent of the proceeds go to fund ultrasounds nothing for overhead and listen if you could do more than that do more than that some of you could do twenty eight hundred dollars and save a hundred babies lives whatever you can afford to do I just know this will be a tremendous legacy for you for your family involve your kids let them know hey our family is responsible for stopping abortions and saving babies lives that's what you do when you donate that money. So call Preborn or donate right over the phone, right over the line at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or just give them a call at 833-850-BABY. And the man phones 24 hours a day. You can call right now. As we wind down our National Crawford Roundtable podcast episode this week, we've been talking about monkeypox. And I'm curious to get you guys' take on, um, on the WHO. We talked about here in America... It's easy, and Neil, maybe I can start with you, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, it's easy to recognize the political strategy at play here for Democrats in America. Uh, yeah, they want to create a heightened state of fear. This is going to help the Democrats for this uh, November's election because, hey, we need to get mass mail-in balloting and drop boxes everywhere and, and uh, make it easier, quote-unquote, for people to vote so they don't have to show ID. Just basically make it easier for fraud to be committed. So we know that's what they're doing. It's an easy motive here, and uh, Democrats exercising power. But you look to WHO, this is an international body. Uh, they're not involved in the United States elections, and so it makes me wonder, what is their motivation? <laughs> Don't uh, kid you're yourself. Getting a, you're getting ahead of me, John. Trust me. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm talking devil's advocate because okay. I'm going to bring it around. Believe me. Uh, but uh, you know, Neil, you look at WHO, and it's like, well, they're not involved in U.S. elections. So you know, why would they be overhyping this thing? Call me a conspiracy theorist, Neil, but I think they absolutely are involving themselves in America's election. WHO is a liberal left-wing organization. You know that they prefer Democrats to be in power in the United States. Joe Biden is already on record trying to give WHO more power and jurisdiction over U.S. health policy. The WHO loves that. So to me, they have a huge vested interest in keeping the Democrats in charge in America and therefore, I think WHO knows full well they're giving Democrats a gift in this country by making it easier for America to declare an emergency when the WHO has already done so. Maybe that's too crazy conspiracy theory for you, Neil. What do you think? Yeah, Bob, uh, first thing I want to say is you are definitely a conspiracy theorist, Bob. I just want to say that. <laughs> hey, what um, can I say? What can I tell you? Well, you know... Um, there's a lot of different ways I could go on this, but I'm just going to say this. Bible prophecy indicates that things are going to get wacky in the last days. And 
you know, clearly there's a one world government system that we're moving towards. And I think people fear that they want to try to stop that. I look at it differently. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we ought to take all hands off every situation, never stand up for truth and righteousness, um, never involve ourselves in the public square. I think the believers have a responsibility to do so because we bear light. We bear the light of Christ. We can bring light into people's darkness and despair. But the reason I'm saying this is because I think it makes perfect sense that these kinds of things are going on. Of course, uh, there's a desire on the part of the World Health Organization or others to involve themselves in places they don't belong, like the U.S. elections. But if if your goal is to one day have a one-world government, at some point, you know, people are going to begin pushing an agenda. I think it's already begun, by the way, to say that, you mm-hmm. know, maybe we ought to be more cooperative on these kinds of decisions. Uh, President Biden, you know, seating decision-making powers to groups like the National Institutes of Health or the World Health Organization. Like, we're going to see that more and more of this stuff, but it, it, in one sense, doesn't cause me concern because it actually gives me hope that we're going to see Jesus sooner. I think you're 100% right on on the basic, I don't know about all the details, but on the basic idea that this kind of stuff is going on, absolutely, and I think we're going to see more of it. But I think we ought to also rejoice in the fact that the Word of God is true, and it's really, in a sense, unfolding right before our eyes. Yeah, that is very true, no doubt. Uh, Roger, your thoughts on the WHO, and I do believe this is a case of foreign interference in American elections. They are handing Democrats in America on a silver platter the green light and the freedom to go ahead and declare a national emergency here because we did it first. And I think they know full well the WHO benefits by the globalist mentality of the Democratic Party being in charge and ceding more and more power to the WHO. Why would they not want to try to give a gift to Democrats for this November, Roger? Makes perfect sense. I mean, give them a gift this November, and then they can uh, come back uh, collecting on that gift uh, once we get to January when the new Congress is right. seated. It, it doesn't make. I mean, and I, I'm with Neil. I mean, obviously, we we want God's will to be played out in God's perfect timing. And and Maranatha, we want this to all to happen. Come Lord. But mm-hmm. at the same time, as we watch what's happening here, let us not lose sight of the fact that while the political operatives are doing what they're doing, we still have our mission, which is high, highly apolitical. It's going all the world to preach the gospel. And so during this time right now where people are literally freaking out and you see, oh, my gosh, another pandemic. I'm so scared. You know, I mean, and there are a lot of people who are. We can sit and have a rational conversation about it, but there are a lot of people in our worlds who can't. They're, they're mm-hmm. being driven by the fear of the world, by the fear of the media. And uh, I would hope that first and foremost, they'd want to tune into NCR every week, you know, and give us a five-star rating. That'd be great. But I, not mm-hmm. because we're trying to boost our own numbers, but because we're trying to have a rational conversation about it and also continue to preach the good news. Whether you get monkeypox or not, everybody's sinful. I mean, we live in a sinful, fallen world. So the idea right. that we are are here and saying, okay, well, we can understand what's going on politically and we can help other people see that there's something even bigger than the World Health Organization uh, you know, monkeying, pardon the pun, with our elections. <laughs> now, now the evil's just going to be more blatant. I mean, it's always been in the, in the background. Now it's just going to be right in your face. Hi, we're the World Health Organization. We want Joe Biden's Democrat Party to retain power in the House and Senate. So therefore, we'll give you this gift. Now where's our return? And so we just have to, I mean, I guess it's the, that's the new normal, as it were. And uh, uh, wouldn't it be great if we just had mean tweets to worry about again, right? <laughs> I know. Tell yeah. me about it. Uh, John, let me give you the final word on this. In our last couple of minutes here, John Rush rushed reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, this, to me, does seem to be clear foreign interference in our election. And the WHO, they have a total motive Should for the Democrats to be in yes. control. Do you really no, think globalists. they would sit on the sidelines and not get involved? Right. No, they're globalists. They, they believe in this right. just like every other globalist does. So, of course, they do. And, and that's, by the way, that's not conspiracy theory. I, I think there's there's many people out there that believe in a, a global one world government and, and to Neil's mm-hmm. point earlier, I mean it's predicted in scripture. I mean th- this is not some wild, you know, tinfoil hat thing. This is a real thing. There are there are even Republicans out there that, you know, they call themselves Republicans or conservatives that, that believe in it. I, I wouldn't call them that, but because I don't think being a conservative means you're a globalist, but they, they would call themselves that. So, yeah, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, well-meaning people out there. I think they're very evil in their thought process. But, yeah, I mean, globalism is a real thing. And, yes, the WHO is very much a part of that globalist movement by all means. So, yes, they would, they would always, Bob, want the liberals to be in charge because that's what they want as well. 
Right. Well, we shouldn't be surprised. Back to the point that uh, Neil and Roger was making, ultimately, uh, we got to remember that, and we all know this, Jesus Christ is Lord. God is still on his throne. Jesus is coming back. We shouldn't be surprised by any of this happening. Of course, we're going to see globalism uh, gaining more and more and more. Uh, That doesn't mean here on Earth, horizontally, we can't do everything we can to sink the slowing of the Titanic. Uh, We can and we should, but all Ultimately, we know that our hope is in Jesus Christ, and that's something that's important for all of us to uh, to remember. And it's always great catching up with all of you folks as well in this National Crawford Roundtable. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget, you can listen to past episodes by going to crawfordmediagroup.net. We appreciate your five-star reviews. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also watch video of this podcast at myhopenow.com. Dot com. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh of the Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California. Neil Q. Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Look forward to next week. Likewise. Have a great week, Bob. Yep. Hey, you bet. We'll see you guys. Uh, you bet. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at myhopenow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. And look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.